Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's up? What's happening? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Whoa, okay. Another week of football. Uh, we're going into week seven. I can't believe it. Week seven. We're going into week seven. When the middle of October, uh, we're getting postseason baseball. I told you guys, this is obviously the best time in sports, I think. One of, or one of the best times, I should say. Because you're getting a little bit of everything every other night. A little bit of everything every, every other night. You're getting some playoff baseball. You're getting some basketball. Actually, the NBA season is starting. So, big. I mean, I know a lot of you, a lot of you guys tune into my NBA content as well. I will, I will, I give you, a, I give you guys a little bit of NBA content as you know, as the year progresses. You know, as we get closer to like December and you know Christmas Day and so forth. Um, I know a lot of my listenership right now. We're focused on the NFL. So, like I said, another week of NFL football. I actually went to a game this past weekend, which was really fun. I will talk about that a little bit because I will talk about one of the teams that I saw um, that, you know, the, the team that I went to go see. I will talk about that and what I noticed about them. Um, but first and foremost, before we dive in and get into anything, I hope you guys hope all of you guys Everybody that's listening, tune it in. Uh, big shout, out, big shouts out to you guys. Hope you guys are all doing well, being healthy. Uh, you know, staying in shape, staying out the way, no negative vibes. Hope all is well with you guys. I hope all is well with you guys. This week, I swear, I'm gonna try to get you two episodes. Obviously, you're gonna get this Wednesday episode because you're listening to it right now. Uh, and then I'm going to give you guys a Saturday episode. I, I probably try to bring on a guest for Saturday's episode um, to discuss some NFL football and so forth. But I will. I know it's been such a long time. Um, it's been a couple weeks, a few weeks that I, ha- that I have given you guys a Saturday episode. So I will try my best to give you guys a Saturday episode. Like I said, obviously, you're listening right now. So this is Wednesday episode. Uh, you're going to get this one. <laughs> uh, but Saturday episode, I will I will try my very hardest to deliver that for you guys. Because um, I miss Saturday episodes. Saturday episodes, I miss it. But let me start. I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. And I know last the, last, the previous episode, I started with Dallas. Like, but no, this time around, this week, I feel like my comments... And my commentary about the Cowboys, uh, not I'm trying to find a proper phrase, but I feel like the Cowboys, they're more legit. They're legit. The Cowboys answered every question I need to know about their football team. And like as far I feel very confident about this Cowboys team. As of right now, the, and I'm not saying this is going to continue. I'm not saying this is going to carry over into the playoffs. But as of right now, I think the Cowboy team that we are witnessing and watching, they're probably as good as any team in the NFC right now. Now, do I? Now, could you make the? Could you make a very strong case that the Rams could be possibly better? Yeah, I would probably make that case. Could you make a case right now that the Arizona Cardinals are better? Yeah, you could. But I can very well make a case that the Dallas Cowboys are as good as those teams right now as we speak the first six weeks that we have seen. They have they've they've been five and one. Um I must admit, all of the games that they have played so far this year, they haven't 
they played really well. The New England game, the game that they won, obviously, this past weekend, 35-29, to 29, they didn't play too good. And this is what made and, – and, and the mere fact that they didn't play well or as well as we thought they should because it's clearly it's, – it's, it's obvious. The Cowboys are a much more talented group than the Patriots. The Cowboys 22 – it's just simply better than the Patriots 22 quarterback offensive line receiver receipt like and then defensively you would think New England would have the edge in a lot of those areas but Dallas is really good defensively this year or they have been better than you know than average this year so there's not really if you think New England defensively is better there, the gap isn't as big or it's not as wide as you might have thought it would be at the start of the season because that the Dallas Cowboys are a top 10 unit defensively. So that speaks to the improvement and, the you know, what Dan Quinn is bringing to the side of the football. And the Cowboys are surprisingly – they're surprisingly really deep at certain positions, especially on the front seven. But as I stated – it's it, it was obvious on Sunday that the Cowboys the, their twenty two was just simply better than the Patriots twenty two. Now it didn't it did not look that way for at least the first half. The first half it did not look that way. It looked like both teams were evenly matched, and it looked like New England, which they do, have a better coach, and that is the Cowboys' long problem. That is their biggest weakness. I think I have said this already. But the Cowboys' biggest weakness is Mike McCarthy. I think the Cowboys check all of the boxes that is necessary to really have a deep and serious, legitimate playoff run. They check all of the boxes except, except, hey, coaching. Let me tell you this, guys. The Cowboys were three for 13 on third down. They had five red zone trips. They only scored two touchdowns in those red zone trips and they also had two turnovers and they had 12 penalties which equaled about 115 penalty yards and some way somehow they were still able to win a game on the road now mind you anytime you struggle on third down you turn over the football especially in the red zone so that means you're taking points away from you and giving the ball to the opposing team and you have 12 penalties that calculate over 100-plus penalty yards, and you still win the game despite having an inferior coach? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, that is a sign that is telling me this Cowboy team is legit. It is legit. The only thing that is holding back this Cowboys team and the only thing that's really holding me back from really making like a firm proclamation about this Cowboy team is the fact that Mike McCarthy, because apparently Mike McCarthy and his mathematic skills aren't the strongest. They're not the greatest. It, It seems to me that he struggled in school during math because his time management, his clock management, a lot of the decisions, a lot of the decisions that he makes are just so head scratching to me. 
um, it was one decision that really stood out to me that could have cost the Cowboys this game. There were a lot of, there were a couple, there were a few situations um, or decisions that Mike McCarthy did not make or lack thereof um, that could have cost the Cowboys this game. And the, but the one that really stuck out to me was, okay, fourth and one with about three and a half minutes left, and you're in, you're well into your pat, you're get, you're getting closer and closer to the red zone. Instead of going for it, where you have the better offensive pieces, and you have Dak Prescott, who you should trust. And you have Ezekiel Elliott behind you, behind Dak, along with a really strong offensive line. You decide to bring out Greg Zerline for a 51-yard field goal that he eventually misses. But then the defense cleans up that mistake where Trayvon Diggs catches the interception and he takes it to the house, thankfully. But that was the same Mike McCarthy where the first possession of the game went for it on fourth and one. And Patriots in his own in his at his own 34 didn't convert and then gave the Patriots a short field would make which gave them a quick, easy seven points automatically in the first quarter, which kind of gave Mac Jones some confidence from that point on. I just don't get it. You go for it on fourth and one, backed up in your own territory on the 34 on the first possession of the game. But then when the game is on the line in Patriots territory, you bring out Greg Zerline for a 51-yard field goal? Uh, I, 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 I just wasn't too fond of, of that decision. And there were, there were a multitude of decisions, or like I said, or lack thereof, that were made, or lack thereof, where it was just very head-scratching to me about the clock management and the timeouts. Sometimes Mike McCarthy is really aggressive with timeouts. Sometimes he's passive with calling timeouts. I'm just very confused. But if you're if you if you are a doubter of the Dallas Cowboys, and if your doubts are concerning Mike McCarthy, rightfully so. Okay, that's valid because I have those same doubts. But if your doubts is about anything pertaining about this Cowboy team. And I'm not saying this Cowboy team doesn't have any weaknesses as a whole. No, I, I still think they could use a better safety in the back end. I feel like they could use better safeties. Um, I feel like maybe maybe in a trade before the trade deadline, they can go out and get another corner. But this team is, is very much well-balanced. So offensively they're really good they're potent and they get Lionel Collins back so he's a, he, he's a really good guard they get him back all he's a pro bowl caliber guard so offensively they're good they're fine defensively like i said they could use DeMarcus Lawrence back that 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 generate more of a pass rush and that would only help the Cowboys secondary as well but they could use also a better safety they could also use better safeties um, and, and probably a second DB, an another DB, another DB behind Trayvon Diggs. But this Cowboy team, they they check all the boxes for me. They check all of the boxes for me. And that little that running narrative 
of, oh, if Dak throws 40 or more times, the Cowboys can't win. That whole running narrative about that's over. Dak, Dak had it. Well, he went 36 for 51 for 445 yards with three touchdowns and interception. That whole that whole narrative, that running narrative of, oh, you, you, the Cowboys can't win when Dak throws for 40 or 50 times. Like, no, they can win. Now, is that the most effective way that they can play? Is that their best style of play? Mm, probably not. That can be debatable, but they can win that way and that style. And it's really important. And this is why the game is so important to me. Because it's games like this where New England used to win. It was games like that where New England, late in game, late, late in games, in crunch time, they had they used to have a guy at quarterback who who could often deliver the goods when, when it was most needed in crunch time. And I feel like the Cowboys, there was a bit of a role reversal where the Cowboys had a guy under center in Dak Prescott who looked really confident. And I, I, I kid you guys not. Dak Prescott, he literally, I, 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 so this is me. I've literally watched, I've watched just about every Dak Prescott snap of his career. Because you guys know I watch the Cowboys every week. Like, I've literally watched. 90 uh, a vast majority of his snaps of his career and I kid you guys not Dak Prescott gets better and better with each snap each play each throw each attempt each rep he gets better and better it seems like every week he gets better and better and I see him make certain throws and I'm like there's only about three maybe four guys four other guys that can make that throw and he continues to get better. And I think Dak Prescott is a living testament to, like, just getting better accuracy-wise. Like, Dak was not this accurate two and a half years ago. Dak, Dak Prescott was not this dead point accurate two and a half years ago. But he gets better. I, I kid you guys not. He gets better with every rep. Every single rep, he gets better. And it's it's quite amazing to watch. And it's it's really good to see because Dak himself, I trust Dak. I trust Dak. Mike McCarthy, I'm not sure. And you and you gotta ask yourself this. Kellen Moore is running the offense, no doubt about it. Dak Prescott is operating the offense, no doubt about it. Dan Quinn is doing his thing with the defense. What the hell is Mike McCarthy doing? Like you gotta like you gotta ask yourself, what is he doing? Because right now it just seems like the Cowboys are winning in spite. They're winning in spite of Mike McCarthy and his blunders. And they're no longer mistakes. Like the first couple weeks, like the first week or the first time that we saw Mike McCarthy struggling with the clock, most of us gave him some leeway. Most of the media gave him some leeway because like, okay, we're, we're not, we're not all perfect. But then we like we continue to see miss the mismanagement of the clock, the mismanagement of the timeouts. He's 0 for 3 for challenges for some reason. Like he 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 can't get he like he has not he has yet to win a challenge so far this year. So like we we're we're seeing this it's no longer a mistake. It's called an it's called like a deficiency. 
Like, you just lack in that area. And that is my only concern about this Cowboy team and how, like, how deep they could, like, because this Cowboy team, I, I, I told you guys this in a previous episode, I don't say this about the Cowboys so loosely like others do, but this Cowboy team is legitimately, like, a Super Bowl threat. Legitimately. They, they are a legit Super Bowl threat. Not saying they're going to win it, not saying they're going to get there, but they are a legit team that could very well find themselves in the Super Bowl. But I don't trust Mike McCarthy because when it's time when it's time to go up against, I don't know, a guy like Sean McVay, what do you what 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 are you gonna do? Sean McVay is gonna run circles around you. When it's time to go against a guy, I don't know, like Kyle Shanahan possibly, or Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and the crew, what are you gonna do? And I'm just not sold on Mike McCarthy quite yet. I'm not. He, he Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys' biggest weakness at this point. It's not their defense. It's not their offensive line. It's not Dak. Mike McCarthy himself is the Cowboys' biggest weakness. But the Cowboys are really in, a really really impressive win this past Sunday over the Patriots. By the way, they put up great numbers versus the Patriots. Great numbers. 567 yards of total offense. I think that's the most in Belichick history. Also, Dak Prescott threw the most yards. He uh, he threw he threw the most passing yards versus a Belichick-led team since he's been in New England. So this was a really impressive win for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I saw them this past weekend. I'm going to tell you the – I'm going to tell you the areas or the problems that I'm seeing or that I saw from Kansas City. Hey, y'all, I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now, up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. All right, so let's move on. Um, I wanted to wait and address this as I was talking about this particular team, but I want to talk about the Chiefs. Um, again, <laughs> um, because I, this past weekend I went to I went to a Chiefs game this weekend. They played the Washington football team. Um, and granted, they won. They had a first half was sloppy, <clears throat> uh, but second half they came back out. I think they had 21 unanswered points, uh, 21 straight unanswered points. Um, in the second half, they played they played much better in the second half. Uh, final score was 31 to 13, Kansas City. And some of the flaws and some of the weaknesses that I'm about to talk about uh, is in terms of their defense is uh, they, they weren't much, they weren't like too relevant or that you couldn't really see it um, because Washington offensively is kind of a mess right now with uh, Taylor Heineke. T- Taylor Heineke, he's hit or miss. Um, the Washington offense seems hit or miss, especially when, it, when they don't have when they don't have an effective run game going. The offense just gets really basic and simple. So what I'm about to say about the Kansas City Chiefs defense, it it, it wasn't as prevalent uh, or it didn't show as much 
versus Washington because they're inept offensively. But you definitely, I definitely saw it versus Buffalo, and I've seen it um, versus, you know, the, the, just the different teams that they have played throughout the year. Um, and I know throughout the rest of their schedule, they got to play some really good offenses that could exploit these type of weaknesses. Now, before I get to the defense, because that's that's where that's where a lot of my concern is. Offensively, I have no worries about this team. Um, like I said, the one big thing offensively is the turnovers, because if you look at if you look at like the the real the like the important numbers offensively, Kansas City is still looking really good. They average three point three point three points per drive. So um, they only have ten punts. They like literally their offense have only literally put punted the ball ten times this year. So offensively, they're still really good. They're offensively they're still they're, they're as good as anybody in football still. But the turnovers have done the men, and the turnovers has they it quite frankly has lost them a couple of games uh, so far. But they're three and three on the year. Um, so the turnovers they gotta clean that up. And I was at the game, <laughs> and I was in a section um, with basically a lot of Chiefs fans. And in the first half, there were a couple of plays where there were some head scratching plays from Patrick Mahomes that he had made. And a cu- one of them led to a turnover, and the Chiefs fans were just so – they were so pissed because it was a bad play. I think the Chiefs were in the red zone. Um, Mahomes had – I think the snap was like – I think it was a bad snap from the start. So the play was kind of already broken at from the snap. But then Mahomes got tackled. Then he tried to throw it. He just threw it up, and it, it got picked off, and that was – that was a red zone turnover. But then later in the game, Mahomes scrambling, scrambling, running around, running around, running around. And he just started doing the Mahomes magic stuff. And the Chiefs fans were so just so happy. And it was like, oh my God, we love this guy. Um, so and, and that made me think about, and I told you guys, I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna be fine. I, I have no worries about this offense, right? Um, but it made me think, it's like <laughs> This, the, the same thing, the very thing that we fell in love or that Chiefs fans fell in love with Patrick Mahomes about is sometimes is what they get mad. Like, what they love about him, those traits, those playmaking abilities that he have also gets him in a lot of trouble at times. And we have seen it so far this year where he has eight interceptions on the year where last year he only had six. Mind you, we're only in week we're, – we're going into week seven, and he has eight interceptions already. So I do think uh, his carelessness – like, he, he does get – he has a little Steph Curry where, like, Steph gets a little careless and reckless with the basketball. Mahomes gets reckless and careless with the football at times, especially when he's trying to make plays, he's trying to make something out of nothing – and we love that Mahomes magic, but sometimes it gets him in trouble. But nevertheless, offensively, if they can cut the turnovers and find some type of remnants of a running game, they'd be fine. Offensively, I don't worry. Now, defensively is where I have a lot of my questions. It's where a lot of my concern stems from. Because defensively, let me read these numbers out to y'all. 
Points allowed, they're dead last. Yards allowed, they're dead last. They're competing with the Seahawks with that. Uh, it, they're they're going at they're actually going at a record setting pace. Uh, total yards allowed, um, they're thirty first. Rushing yards allowed, they're twenty ninth. Sacks uh, for every pass attempt, they're thirty first. So this defense, just looking at those ma- those major defensive statistical categories, uh. The defense is bad. And I think a lot of it is their lack of talent on that defensive side. Like, I, I like Spagnola. Uh, Spagnola is a guy who he's he's known for uh, drawing up a lot of schemes that fit a lot of guys. Uh, he's a very creative defensive mind. He he plays with a lot of disguises and so forth. So, when 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 you have a coach like that, and like I said, I like Steve Spagnola, uh, but when you when when you're when you when you draw up so many disguises and you try to play these schemes and so forth, mistakes are bound to happen. Like a couple of mistakes are bound to happen. There's going to be some leaks here and there. But this Chiefs defense details all across this defense. It's just being missed completely. It's just being missed completely. There's de- there's blown assignments, just blown coverages every other play. They, I, I see I see sometimes I see wrong run fits, wrong um adjustments to running to you know different running schemes and different blocking schemes. Uh sometimes it just they they just look lost. Granted, they got some young players in the secondary, but they gotta like these guys gotta adjust and adapt. Um but I think the talent level just isn't there defensively for them. I think they, I think more so, more so than the blown coverages um, and the misassignments and not really paying attention to the details and details being missed with, within some of these schemes that Spagnola is trying to run, I think is more so a talent issue. There's a talent gap because I don't, on this Chiefs defense, I don't see too many difference makers. I think right as of right now, I think they have one difference maker, and that's Chris Jones. Um, and they move him at defense. They move him from defensive tackle to DN. It hasn't quite panned out, so I think when he comes back, they should look into trying to move him back to D tackle. Because as far as I could, for, as far as I was, I was concerned, Chris Jones over the last couple of years has probably been the second best defensive tackle in football behind Aaron Jones. So I think they tried, they made the switch from D tackle to DN with Chris Jones. But I think in order to generate some type of pass rush, because they struggle with trying to sack the quarterback, as I, so as I already told you guys, uh, they, they rank 31st in sacks. I think being able to generate pressure up the middle, there's nothing like being able to generate pressure up, the middle in a quarterback's face and a quarterback's line of vision. There's nothing like that. I think if they can bring that element back, I think it would tremendously, it would, it, it would tremendously help their defense in, in ways in which we have yet to see so far this year. Um, but that's the thing. I think they just lack talent across the board. Um, the honey badger, I, I know people love him. I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure if he's. He's still a good player. Let me. Let me not. Let me. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to misconstrue that. But 
when I say difference maker, I mean like a difference maker. And I, in, in my opinion, I feel like Tom Ron Matthew has kind of lost. He's lost a gear. He's lost a gear. Now, could he get it back? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe can. Maybe not. I don't know. But I feel like he's lost a gear. And right as of right now, I think I think the Chiefs only have one blue chip caliber player on that defense, and that's Chris Jones. Everybody else, you know, obviously. Tyron Matthew was probably their second best defensive player, but I still think he's lost a year. He's lost a step or two. That's just me. That's just my opinion. But like I said, they got some sunk, they got some young secondary corners. Um, but in terms of what I'm seeing defensively, it's that. It's the mere fact that they they lack. The details or details are often being missed. And like I said, when you're running a lot of disguise, disguises and, you know, these difficult schemes and so forth, these colorful schemes, um, mistakes are prone to happen. But not every play. Not every play. Guys shouldn't be running deep by themselves. Slot receivers shouldn't be just running by themselves so freely. And, and, when, you, and when you watch Kansas City, you see a lot of those blown assignments, just utter, just blown assignments. You can go back and watch that Bills game where it, there were just guys just running free, literally. Um, so that's and it's it's at every level of their defense, secondary, their linebacking core, the front four, like it's just lacking on every level of their defense. So that's what worries me about Kansas City. Those are my concerns. Even with watching them in person, uh, offensively, they're really good. They're going to be okay. But I still have my worries defensively as the season continues. But I, th- I think this is, st- this is still a playoff caliber team. Um, with the defensive lapses that they have, um, I'm not sure if they can get back to the Super Bowl. But it's still a really good football team. It don't, like, it's still, this is still a good football team. But it just have some major, major defensive deficiencies, um, and they're gonna be in a lot of shootouts when they play against better, like when they play against respectable offenses. They're gonna be in some shootouts because defensively, they lack a lot. Um, but let me—I want to talk about a team that, for some reason, people just are not talking about. Um, I want to talk about a particular team that we're just gl- we're just glossing over right now. All right, um, so I'm going to give you guys my top 10 list, and then I'm going I'm to talk about the Cardinals a little bit um, and what what I've been noticing. And it's something that I, I'm just going to – I just think we're not – we're just overlooking the Cardinals uh, with them being the only undefeated team. But you guys know how we do it, how we get down, top 10 list. These are my top 10 teams going into week seven after week six. We do this on a weekly basis. I take a lot of pride in this list. Um, so let's go. Let's let's start from the top. These, these are my top 10 teams um, at number 10. I got the Chargers. You know, I know they had a bad, a, 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 a horrible loss versus Baltimore, uh, a, a game that I actually thought they were going to go to Baltimore and win. But I, I got to keep in mind, usually, typically West Coast teams that travel out east and they have to typically play at a one o'clock game. That's usually a struggle for them. Um, the Chargers just got absolutely annihilated by the Ra- by the Ravens. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna continue to in- I'm gonna continue to talk about it and bring it up. 
the Chargers' weakness, the the char the the Chargers' biggest weakness is probably not being able to stop the run. They allow the Ravens to rush for over two hundred plus yards. Yes, I know that's what Baltimore does well, but the Chargers, if you're if the Chargers really want to be taken serious as an AFC uh like contender, which I do think they are, I still think they are a legit contender. They're gonna really have to solidify that interior because Baltimore just physically dominated them on both sides of the ball, which was very, very surprising to me. Um, even even I came into the I came into the game thinking, okay. The Chargers are going to have a hard time stopping a run. At least the Chargers have the offensive weaponry to match what Baltimore can do offensively with Lamar. That didn't happen. They only scored six points, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take too much out of that. I think they'll bounce back soon. Um, but I got the Chargers at ten. At number nine, I'm not. You guys know I'm not really high on this team. This team is uh for me but I got to put the Titans. I got to put the Titans at number 9. Some way somehow they they always find themselves in the midst of of my list. But and I and I and I like the Titans. I mean, I'm not too huge on the Titans. I wasn't huge on them coming on coming into this year um because of the defensive problems, but they may not be the most exciting team to watch. But it's effective. It's effective. Ryan Tannehill, since he's been the starter over a year and a half ago, or well, two years ago now, um, it seems like I think, yeah, I think, yeah, two years ago, um, you know, he's just been effective and efficient. Doesn't doesn't lose you games. Obviously, Derrick Henry is probably the best running back in football. He's, I mean, at the pace he's going, he might be looking at another record breaking season this year. Um, at the route he's going, uh, I'm just not high on them. Um, defensively, but they're just good. They're well coached. They're gonna be physical. Um, and physicality travels. The running that like that 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 travels when you go on the road. When you go into different places, different venues, physicality travels. And with Tennessee, the way how they play, they're well coached, and the, and how physical they are, they can go anywhere and and go tick for tack with anyone in this league. Uh, so I got the I got I got the Titans at, at nine. At eight, I got the Packers. Um, a good football team, a really good football team. I think they have yet to – I think they're still yet to hit their stride. They are very Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers dependent. Um, they're, you know, if if one of those guys get hurt, the, the, the Packers offense is just going to go into array because they are so dependent on either Aaron Jones or, uh, or Devontae Adams to make plays for Aaron Rodgers. They just lack other playmakers. Uh, <clears throat> cough, cough. A trade for Odell Beckham wouldn't be too bad for the Packers at this point because they need a second option to free up some of the workload that Jones and Devontae Adams is currently receiving because they just, they just, their work, they're literally their offensive workhorses. Um, I don't think Green Bay is necessarily playing great. They're playing good enough football. They beat the Bears. They've been beating the Bears over the last 10 years. So that's nothing new to me. They do get um, a really good cornerback, lockdown corner, Jair Alexander back. So that should be that should buff up their secondary even more now. But I got the Packers at eight. At seven, I just talked about this team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, offensively, they're still really good. They're still really good. <laughs> like, you know, when when clicking offensively, uh, they're 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 just as good as anybody. 
My problem with the Kansas City Chiefs and why I have them at seven is the mere fact that they, they can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop a headache if you gave them an aspirin. It's just they're just bad defensively. They're 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 on pace to to break records in a bad way defensively. Um, to give up the most yards a defense has ever given up in the league. Seattle and Kansas City, they're on, they're both on pace to doing that. Um, but they offensively, I mean defensively, they give up seven yards per play. That's just entirely too much. That's entirely too much. So they gotta they gotta clean up some of these defensive issues. Like I said, I think the one adjustment that I would make is moving Chris Jones back to D-tackle so you can generate more of a pass rush to help out that secondary. But I got Kansas City at seven just based off the fact that they can cut the turnovers. Offensively, they'll be fine, and they'll find themselves winning enough games to potentially win the division and get into the playoffs, right? Uh, at six, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, uh, they're missing a lot of guys defensively, especially in that secondary. I think they're missing like two or three guys just in the secondary alone. Um, once again, similar to Green Bay, Tampa Bay is not playing great necessarily. They're playing good. They're playing good football, and they're winning games because they're just that talented. Uh, offensively, they're clicking, but defensively, it's been it's been a struggle. But I think as we get as we continue going into like November, getting closer to Thanksgiving, December, I think. Tampa Bay will find themselves within the top five because I think they then recognize, oh, my God, the playoffs are approaching and they're coming and we need to get on that A game. But for now, I got the Buccaneers right at six. At number five, I talk really highly about this team. I have the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is probably when health, when the offensive line is healthy, this is probably the most productive offense outside of the Kansas City Chiefs in football. I, I, I just think they're that good. The Cowboys, we, like, What's the weakness on offense? Offensive line is healthy. Running, get, they have two running backs effective. Dak is 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 balling out of his mind right now. He looks like an MVP candidate. Receivers, they have probably if the second, I mean, they have one of the best, if not the best, receiving cores in football. And now they're they're solidifying their tight end positions. So offensively, there's no weakness with this team. And defensively. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs, seven interceptions on the season. He looks like he's a favorite for defensive player of the year. Um, defensively, they're quick, they're fast, they're young, they're deep. I like what I like what Dallas can do. Uh, I got I think they're right in, as of right now, they're a top five team right now in football. I don't think you can really dispute that. They're they are a top five team in football. Um, I, you could probably make the argument that they should probably be higher. I wouldn't be mad at it. I'm gonna have them at five, and the reason why I have them at five. It's because at four, I have the L.A. Rams. I, I think the Rams overall have a better defense. Both defenses are really good, but overall, I think the Rams have a better defense. Uh, obviously, it helps when you have Jalen Ramsey um, and Aaron Donald. Uh, and then another thing, coaching. Sean McVay, who I'm taking, Sean McVay or Mike McCarthy? I'm going to take Sean McVay every time. Uh, at this yeah, I'm, At this rate, I'm taking Sean McVay every single time. Uh, I just trust the Rams. They're in – you know, we're getting into this stretch where the Rams, four of their five wins have come against playoff teams from last year. So they're beating really good teams. Like their wins just aren't just coming against like scrubs. No, they're beating really good teams. So that right there shows me that they're capable of beating caliber, uh, you know, a caliber team. Um, and I, 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 I love you guys know, I trust and I love Sean McVay and his offensive mind. And like I said, 
overall defensively, I think the Rams edge out the Cowboys overall defensively. Um, at three, I got the Ravens right now. They're sitting pretty on top of the AFC. I do think they're very, I still think they're very Lamar dependent, but it looks like Lamar can handle that. Um, it, it, you know, he just, he, you know, Lamar is just being Lamar. Uh, I think right now there's no debate that he's probably, if no debate that he's the most electrifying player in football. And it just so happily he's at the quarterback position. Uh, but for the for for the Ravens to face all of these injuries, bowing all of these injuries and so forth, in a pretty competitive division, also as as well. I mean, it's just remarkable. And, I, and you got you got to give a lot of props to Lamar and that coaching staff and what they've been able to do despite the injuries. I got Baltimore at three. At number two, I know they just lost. They're coming off a loss, but I still have the Bills. I still think the Bills right now are the better overall, the best overall team in the AFC. Despite now, I know the Ravens are looking real good, and I'm not even mad if you think the Ravens are better than, than Buffalo right now. But overall, to me, I feel like Buffalo is a more solidified team. Uh, I know what I'm getting on week in, week out basis. They were they were a, a accidental slip and fall away from beating a really good team in the Titans. Josh Allen, nine times out of ten, if he if you run that play again, he gets that first down on fourth down. So I'm not gonna drop them too much tremendously. They're at two. I still have tremendous confidence in the Bills, though. And at number one, the Cardinals. The Cardinals are at number one. I think this is the best team in football right now. They are six and zero. Oh. They are clicking on all cylinders. And I know everybody likes to talk about Kyler Murray and how explosive he is, which he is. Uh, I know everybody likes to talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins and how he's one of, if not the best receiver in football, which he is. But I feel like the stuff that's in between this Cardinals team just gets overlooked. And I've been talking about their front seven and how they've been able to generate pressure. I love that too. Like Chandler Jones on one side, then J.J. Watt on the other side. I love how they're able to generate pressure. They don't necessarily have the best secondary, but Isaiah Simmons is coming alive. He's making plays. Um, and just like I said, with that front seven, your secondary doesn't have to be tip, it doesn't have to be top notch. It just has to be good enough where they can hold up. Um, and this Cardinals team has been super aggressive in putting the right pieces in front of Kyle Mary. So I got them at number one. That is my top 10 list. So I do want to talk, I want to take some time to talk about the Cardinals. Um, and I've told you guys this for the last, like, I've been telling you guys this for the last year and a half, this NFC West division, all of these teams are aggressive. All of these teams are very, very aggressive. All of these teams have examples of being aggressive, being hyper aggressive because they know the other three teams in their division are going to be just as good or or have the capability and the firepower of being just as good. The Rams, a couple years back, they started to go all out on getting players, trading for stars, getting stars here and there. It, it panned out. They got to the Super Bowl. Didn't, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they got to the Super Bowl. And since then, they've had – you know, they've had a lot of regular season success in getting to the playoffs and, and winning some playoff games and so forth. The 49ers, they have been hyper aggressive. They went up and traded for it. They said, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, we, you, you did get us to the Super Bowl. You couldn't close out the job. You did play well in the first three quarters. The fourth quarter it was kind of a meltdown. 
We're trading up in the draft. We're going to get Trey Lance, a guy who's more dynamic and who potentially have a higher ceiling, right? So they've been very aggressive in their approach, especially with trying to upgrade at the quarterback position. The same thing with the Rams. The Rams say, hey, Jared Goff, you got us to the Super Bowl, but I think we can take this up another notch. We're going to trade for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford gives us that element where he can spread out the defense and throw that deep ball. And then with the Seahawks, the Seahawks have been hyper aggressive. It hasn't really panned out to the to the like to the amount to the level of success that the 49ers and the Rams have quite had over the past couple years, but they've been hyper aggressive. The best they could have been, right? And now we have the Cardinals who this past offseason, they went all out. They went out and got J they J they went out and got JJ Watt. They went out and got James Conner. They went out and got AJ Green. Um, and they just been they just been hyper aggressive. And then this past week, a couple days ago, they went out and traded for Zach Ertz. So another Pro Bowl caliber tight end that they have, and another pass catcher that they have that Kyler Murray can play with. This Cardinals team is going all out. They're going all in. And I must admit, I had this Cardinals team being last in this division, and it wasn't. And, and, and remember. I had them finishing last in this division because of the three teams that's in their division. It wasn't necessarily about the Cardinals and them not being talented. I knew the Cardinals were talented. I told you guys, the Cardinals are probably the most talented fourth-place team I've ever seen. That's what I told you guys. But with some unforeseen injuries to Russell Wilson, uh, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, which I kind of expected, the Seahawks, they're not, they're two and four, they're struggling. And the 49ers right now, they just have some injuries. They're, they're, they're hit with the injury bug. I do, I do think eventually they will bounce back. And then now obviously the Rams are clicking. But the Cardinals look like they are in prime position to either win the division or finish second in the division and get one of those wild card spots. They definitely will make the playoffs. That like it seems like they're gonna make the playoffs. I don't they're going to win a, at least three more games, I would think. They're going to win at least three, four more games, at, at least. So the Cardinals, they, I was I was definitely wrong about them. But I once again, I proved my point about the NFC West, this entire division being hyper-aggressive and, 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 you know, trying to upgrade their personnel in every which way possible. They are hyper-aggressive. And I must admit, Cliff Kingsbury, he's he's doing something right. Even though he didn't coach the game versus Cleveland, they're still 6-0. It's his football team. He's doing something right. I, I, you know, I can doubt him all day long. I can talk about his past track record back at Texas Tech and how his alma mater fired him. I still don't know how that happens, but that's neither here nor there. He's 6-0 right now. So I got to give respect where respect is due. Um, but the Cardinals are legit. They, they are a legit football team, and I just like the bread and butter of their team. Not obviously, we all know about the explosive pieces that they have, but the actual bread and butter, the in between game that this team have, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and a couple weeks ago, I can remember where I said, "Hey, I want to wait and see what the Cardinals do these next three games. They play the Forty ers they play the Rams, and they play the Browns." And goddamn, what do you know? The Cardinals went on to win on they went on to win three straight. They beat the 49ers, they beat the Rams handily, and they beat the Browns handily at Cleveland. 
So that is going to wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I will be back, like I told you guys. I'm going to try my very hardest to give you guys a Saturday episode. Um, just working out some logistics and so forth. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Always, always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces. Enjoy. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I enjoyed making it. Once again, I greatly appreciate you guys uh, tuning in week in, week out. Uh, I know, like I said, I, I, I want to get back on Saturday episodes. I will try to bring you one. But I let you guys go. Peace, deuces. <laughs>